Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this the Eastside Johnny Big Redemption Light. Know what I'm talking about? Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. You can find us on Twitter at Backdoor Cut Show. You can subscribe to our podcast um, anywhere you find podcasts by following the Barnburner Podcast Network. Uh, you can find me personally, I'm Zach, on Twitter, at BarnburnerBro. And with me today, I got Mason. You can find him on Twitter, at BarnburnerSlim. How you doing, dude? Oh, man, I am good. I am all in the mood, as you can see by this shirt. Uh, shout out to Fast Break Breakfast for this all-heart grit and grind uh, throwback to the Vancouver-style jerseys, which we got to see the Memphis Grizzlies in for the first time last night. Uh, against the Showtime Lakers. And uh, I got to say, man, I think that new court, well, old court, is probably the best one in the NBA. Like, it is, it was very aesthetically pleasing. The uh, border of it is just so intricate. That's my favorite court in the NBA, hands down. And, I mean, you, you got to love the throwback jerseys. I know some people are against it, but they were the rage all over NBA Twitter last night. Uh, people were talking about our our court and our uniforms. So, man, what a night! Where you did you go to the game? Yeah, uh, Sam and I went to the game, and like you said, it it looked clean. Like it looked so good. It was kind of it did take a minute to get used to to the teal jerseys because you know you're used to watching guys in blue and white, and then just trying to sort out who's who with the new colors and everything, but. The court itself was fresh. Like, it looked very good. I was very pleased. The whole night was really well done. They did 90s throwback music the whole time. Uh, it, it was just really cool. It was a really fun game. And I think they did really good. 
by waiting until it was a big opponent to do it. Not trying to like promote that as the main event, the throwback, but to incorporate it into an already big night. Yeah, and I mean, last week we had the Friday game on ESPN, and this week almost felt just as big uh, as mm-hmm. Conley's return because we were unveiling new court and jerseys and playing against the Lakers, who happened to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So all eyes were definitely uh, via league pass in Memphis. <laughs> um, and, hey, it was great that the guys fought hard, bounced back from getting their ass kicked uh, two games in a row to the Nuggets and then to the Warriors, which I don't think any of us really expected to see, yeah. but it, it's going to happen with this team. It's probably hard to get up for a game in the middle of, of the week against the you know, the Warriors who have no one. And then you got a couple days of no games. It was really a weird week. Like we only yeah, played was. on Tuesday and Saturday. Um, so a lot of downtime. I'm sure they were in the gym working on things. Um, but Saturday night, all eyes were in Memphis. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't come out with the win. I'll kind of let you take us through the game. But it was great to see Jaron Jackson making shots early. Uh, for whatever reason, we don't get him the ball in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then <laughs> – Ja Morant, just a superstar. I mean, he had four or five highlight plays in last night's game alone. You're seeing these clips on uh, Slam. Like, every Twitter account is retweeting Ja Morant highlights. And uh, it's just great to see. He had 26 points, went toe-to-toe with LeBron and AD and almost pulled out the win. So, fun night. Yeah, Morant was playing so free. He was just... It, it, the game looked like it was coming so easy to him. The way he, he was dribbling, getting into the paint, his passes were crisp. Now, he did when Rondo was guarding him. That was kind of his kryptonite for the game. Of course, I mean, Rondo is known for that. He's you know crafty defender, wily veteran. So he, he played pretty well on Morant, but Morant just had his way with almost everyone. He made KCP look like a fool like three or four times. It was, it was awesome. Uh, but the, the Grizzlies started out hot, hitting everything from three, getting up, you know, getting up pretty big. It was definitely one of those games where it's like, ah, this is, we're up too much too soon. You know, this is going to come <laughs> back down to earth. So, I mean, something I've literally seen a hundred times that I, I can't get too excited about it. I sat in that same seat, seeing that exact same thing happen. Uh, but, but this time, they didn't let it get out of hand. They, were, they hung around. Uh, we're right there at the end, made a couple of bad turnovers. LeBron and AD, you know, did superstar things to close out the game. We missed a couple opportunities, but overall it was it was the most fun game of the season. I think it was honestly more fun than uh, last week's Mike Conley return when I think about the actual basketball game. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like we mentioned, Ja had highlight play after highlight play when he went behind the back and whipped it to the corner. Uh, he had the reverse layup where he looked like he was going to try to slam another one home and switched hands and laid it up with the left hand. Um, yeah. Just big-time play after big-time play. Even Brandon Clark got in on the action late. He had that tip in, which was a huge, huge bucket. I think we, we started off uh, eight of eight from three is, is what you were referring to as being hot. And then we had a 16-point lead. Um, so for a second, I was thinking, oh, man, this feels kind of similar to when we played the Lakers in L.A. And then the third quarter came and yeah. it was just a Anthony Davis avalanche, <laughs> mainly of free throws and rebounds. But that's when he had 40 and 20. Uh, and it didn't happen this time. So 
you see the team came, played with pride. Even after the game, John Morant's like, you know, yeah, we would like to win, but I'm proud of how we played, um, especially coming off these last two games and the last time we played the Lakers. So to see that fight and them being in, listen, the Lakers are the best team in the NBA right now. Yeah. So, so these young guys being in that situation and we saw Ja, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson all on the court to close out the game. So that's our three future uh, pillars of the organization. And it's just good to see them getting that experience. And over time, you hope that they just can win more of those games in the clutch situations than we lose. Yeah. And I, it was just so much fun and being there and that, uh, it, you know, just being close at the end of the game just means so much. And you can't expect us to get every single one of those close games. You know, last when the Grizzlies had their three game winning streak, those games were all very close margins. And we, we were able to sneak away with those three. This time it didn't happen. But you know what? The more times that we're in that situation, the more we'll be prepared for the future when those games actually mean something. Yeah, and I think it's got to play to the team's confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, shit, we just got whooped by the Nuggets and then got spanked by Golden State unexpectedly. Like, none of them expected to take right. the court that night and take that L in the manner that they did. So now you get this game against the best team in the league and you kind of get some confidence back, your swagger back. Like, okay, we can play with anybody. Um, and you just hope that they can continue to build on that and just put longer runs of success, sustained success together. Um, and, like, those blowout games are going to happen throughout the year. Young team, don't – and Jay Crowder, John Morant, they all referenced it. Uh, there, It was just for due to lack of energy is why we got blown out in those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, not enough effort on Jamal Murray early in the Nuggets case. And in the Warriors case, it was just total lack of effort. I tried to watch the condensed game on NBA TV. It was over in like eight minutes, and it was just like all Warriors buckets. I was like, well, that didn't miss too much of that one. This is all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, do you got the stats for the Lakers game last night? Yeah, so uh, something that we've been waiting for pretty much all season is that this was the first game of the year where Jaron and Ja both had 20 or more points. Hallelujah, baby. Let's go. I think think that is a monumental occasion for us. Jaron had 20 and 7, two steals and a block, and Ja had 26, uh, 26, six assists, and five steals, shooting 62.5% from the field. That was Ja. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) And and Ja and Jaron led the team in shot attempts with 16 apiece. I mean, it, we went toe-to-toe with the Lakers, and that felt really good. Um, Sam and I left the game, and we're like, you look at everything, you know, wire-to-wire, rebounds, threes, everything is so equal. We were like, what? How did we actually lose that game? Because we had them beat in most categories, but in the end it just came down to some free throws. Not necessarily at the end of the game, but just – during the course of the game, they had they made more free throws. So, but every, outside of that, we outdueled them in a lot of areas. Yeah, it seemed like we had more turnovers, at least down the stretch. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's off, but it seemed like we had just more costly turnovers, which is expected from a young team. Um, but another thing I would like to see more in the fourth quarter is it was the John Morant show, um, but I would like for 
and this is just back to the chemistry between him and Jaron. I think Jaron only had two points in the fourth quarter, so 18 prior to that. And uh, you just really didn't see Jaron involved at all. And so I looked at some stats, and Jaron is leading us in spot-up three-point attempts per game. And, and he's making a 47% of them, so it's pretty damn good. His three-point shooting is really came along, he, and I, I believe he's shooting like five or six per game. Uh, over the past two weeks, yeah, he was shooting 50, 51% from three on six attempts per game. Uh, so that's really kind of – and it that fits with what the Taylor Jenkins' system is, right? Like right. I've, I've been yeah. calling for Jaron to get the ball in the post more, and maybe that's just – not what Taylor Jenkins has in mind. He wants his best player uh, because Jaron is the second best spot-up shooter, according to Synergy, behind uh, Dylan Brooks. Dylan shooting 50% on spot-up attempts. Then Jaron's right there at 47. So it makes sense that Jenkins wants one of his best players firing up threes instead of mid-range or post-up twos, which are known in the analytics community as taboo. <laughs> Even though we do lead the NBA in short mid-range shots attempted, <laughs> despite this revolutionary offense. Yeah, and we were we had we were leading the league in points in the paint at one point. I don't know if that's still the case now, but well, at least and, as recent as last week, uh, that was the case. Yeah, and with the personnel, you think about Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, that's kind of where they're making their, their hay is right in those short mid-range attempts. Even mm-hmm. Ja, we've seen Ja uh, pro- not go all the way to the rim and start to shoot that little floater, which has been effective. So as long as he's making it, I don't have any problems with him taking it. But we know Jenkins wants them to let that motherfucker fly from beyond the arc. Exactly. And speaking of highlight plays, yeah, Ja, ja had plenty of them. They were all awesome. Kyle Anderson had one of the best plays of the game where he had a behind-the-head pass. I think it might have been – I don't know who it was to, but he was driving down the paint. It was towards the end of the game. He threw it behind his head. Yeah. That was that, – I, I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, Kyle's been good, man. Uh, right. Yeah, go ahead. All right, anything else on that game? That was – hopefully we have several more nights like that. I don't expect it to be like that every time I walk in the forum. I expect more of them to be kind of like how the Dallas game was, but – uh, the more of these that will await us there, the happier fans will be in general. For sure. So, uh, earlier this weekend, Woj and Zach Lowe collaborated on an article to talk about how the NBA is really considering some schedule changes. So they got to work it with Players Association and broadcast partners. But uh, kind of the gist of what they're trying to do is so I guess like ratings aren't doing super well. Doris Burke said on Zach Lowe's podcast earlier that really a lot of people kind of our age and even younger are watching, uh, you know, they're watching the house of highlights recaps. They're watching the pregame shows with all the highlights and everything, but they're not watching the actual basketball games. So that's great for a whole bunch of content providers, but or content creators, but not so much the NBA. That's not benefiting them as directly as they would like. So some of the ideas that their um, the league office is going to bring before the players' association, and they're like collaborating with a bunch of different people. Can I just propose one idea before you get started? Yeah. 
How about we take these garbage-ass teams off of national television once we realize they're going to be garbage? Uh, that might help, taking the Pelicans and Lakers off. I mean, well, Lakers back when they were garbage, but mm-hmm. uh, the Warriors now. Like, let's go ahead and just flex those guys off the of TV and put some good games on that people actually want to see. I know that's a crazy idea, putting uh, the best teams on television, but it just might work. Yeah, I'm sure, like... Did you just slam some coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the NBA should reserve a right to modify their schedule or something. I don't know. But if it benefits everyone, then there's got to be, I don't know, all the legal around that. But yeah, but, but so. yeah, you're going to get a zero if you got like Pelicans playing like crap and then they're playing like, I don't know, the Knicks or something. Only yeah, so people just, just flex those games and, uh, you know, that might fix your problem. But anyway, since that's clearly not on the table, what what are they planning to institute, Zach? All right, so they are talking about cutting uh, cutting the season by a couple games to like 78 maybe from 82. But big the, change. Yeah, right. I, I don't think that's going to impact anything whatsoever on load management or any of their other objectives necessarily. But the interesting thing is – uh, that they're talking about doing a mid-season tournament with all the teams. Okay. So the way that they that was proposed in this article from sources is that it would probably run from the November to uh, like mid-December time frame. They don't want to encroach on. They don't want to go past that because you've got a lot of more people are getting traded and you're getting closer to the deadline. They don't want to encroach on Christmas and they want to do it after Thanksgiving. So it sounds like they're trying to uh, wait for the NFL season to be close to over. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to mess with the playoffs there. Uh, okay. They don't want to compete with that. All right. I'm so they're talking about doing, let me check my notes, a divisional, like a group stage kind of similar to the World Cup. So those games would be included in your regular season. So I guess particular games on the season would count towards your seeding in this midseason tournament. So when we were playing Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, or San Antonio, some of those games would be earmarked for this midseason cup. From my understanding, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. The, then you would have six, the six divisional winners – so they would automatically qualify. Okay, because there's three divisions in each conference. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then the next two, or yeah, the next two teams in each uh, conference. Okay. Or so no, it was eight. So one, the next best team in each conference to provide a fourth team from each conference. So okay. eight total, and then play. Uh, single elimination. So you could add up to the, that'd be three Four. extra games. Okay. And then another thing they were talking about doing is a play in for the eighth seed of the playoffs. And how would they do that? So seven and eight would play each other. The winner of that game, so seven and eight, meaning the team that has the seventh and eighth best record during the regular season. They'd play each other in a one game. Whoever wins that game would be the seventh seed. The ten, ninth and 10th team would play each other 
and the winner of that game would play the loser of the 7-8 game. So if you're the 10th seed, you could potentially squeak in to be the 8th seed. Same for the 9, I guess, too. Okay. On that, I was... I wonder what the discrepancy is between like the seven seeds win total and the 10 seed over the last 10 years, because it seems like a lot of times maybe teams are fighting for eight and nine, but that 10th team is almost in tank mode. Um, so maybe that should just be for eight and nine. That would be my first argument on mm-hmm. that. But then back to the mid season tournament, what, what do you get from winning it? Or is it just like, just another trophy, but not the Larry O'Brien. It's going to be like the Adam Silver Trophy or something. <laughs> Is that the – or do you get, like, and, and playoff seeding or – No, and then there would be, like, additional financial compensation for it. Oh. Which I don't know how much of an impact that would make towards what these guys are already making. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I'm not totally against the idea. So, I – we'll talk a sec – I got some ideas that I put together on how I think would be entertaining, and and I'll listen. But I just I don't I think the NBA is pretty pretty damn good as it is right now. Uh, so maybe I'm kind of being old school in my ways of not wanting to change. But I, I'm not totally against it, but I am skeptical that it, that this would be needed. But now I'll, I'll listen to your ideas. I'm I'm keeping an open mind. Uh, so what you got, Zach? So I think this would keep a lot more, I don't know, hopefully keep like a lot more people entertained. Um, just be something different, mix things up. So I think about the two most exciting tournaments in the world. So in my opinion, I guess the world cup, I think probably the most of the world thinks that that's the most exciting. And then March madness to me, those are two very, very highly anticipated, you know, hallmark events. Yep. So let me see. I would, you'd probably want to cut the season down a little bit more to 75 ish games. If you can get it there, obviously there's money implications. So that's probably the biggest barrier to that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of a load management standpoint the guys who are utilizing load load management, those superstars are in that they're playing around seventy to seventy five games anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the first six weeks of the season, you would kind of do the same type of group stage. So your all your in division games would count towards your seeding in this tournament. So you could play each team, say that's twenty games. And you could play each team, the other four teams in your division, home and home. So you'd get a pretty good barometer of where everyone is in division. Then the different part is you have four regionally hosted tournament sites. Like in brackets, like March Madness bracket, you have a predetermined location. And then they seed the teams based on kind of their region and assign them to different areas. So that way you've got four different areas and four teams in each area. So my, my tournament has 16 teams. So that would be like Memphis uh, is going to have like New Orleans, Atlanta, Charlotte. Yeah. We'll have two games on, or we could have a two games on Saturday and then the 
championship for the region could be on Monday or something. And then you could play a regular schedule that week and then maybe come back the following week. And then uh, another location would host the final four and you do the same thing over again. So that kind of combines March Madness and World Cup. It seems like it's a little much. (laughs) It seems like it's a little much. And I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just not really all into the idea of a midseason tournament. Uh, I know it's what the Euro leagues do, especially mainly with, when it refers to soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, and I'm not in, in tune with the ratings of the NBA as much as the people who are making the the you know who are uh, making the decisions to right. try to implement these changes. So, and I'm sure they've done their research. Maybe it will help. Uh, we do have to remember that the NBA now is a vastly global game and doesn't just appeal to those of us in the United States. So there is a broader thought process going into this. And by broader, Mm -hmm. I mean like across the world, global (laughs) thought process going into this. So if they think that is going to attract more fans and uh, offset the China issue, maybe, maybe that's uh, maybe that's what we got to do. So that's, that's definitely looming. I'm sure. But for a league that uh, is continually innovative and fresh in their ideas for the most part, except when it comes to all-star voting and uh, the playoffs, those are kind of the two things that we've seen remain constant throughout the course of the NBA. Um, Adam Silver's a good man. I believe he's got the best interest in the league at heart, so... If they do decide to go with it, I won't be up in arms. But I'm not like I'm not clamoring for this drastic change. Even even if they're saying it's not super drastic, I feel like it's going to change some things. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely it's probably a tweak every few years. Try to figure something out. Like ten years down the road is when you would have a more finished product. Yeah, I think whatever they come out with first is probably going to be. Pretty weird. Teams won't know how to handle it. How do you put, like, how how much do you care about those games as opposed to your other regular season games? Do you care about them at all, or are they throwaway games? So I'm just not in favor of putting uh, more stressful games on the schedules for players. And if they wanted this tournament to mean something, then it would undoubtedly mean more stressful minutes for these players who are already undergoing load management. I would be more in favor of something like a G League tournament or a 23 and under tournament in the middle of the season. And you can't play anyone who's been named all rookie first team or been named to the Rising Stars game. And then if you win that tournament in the middle of the season or finish in the top four uh, you get to add a roster spot for the rest of the year or something like that. So you can uh, yeah. have, have the advantage to sign another young guy or you get an additional two way or something like that. Yeah. I just, I don't think the answer is asking the star players to care about one, a whole nother tournament and then put more stressful minutes on their body. When we're, we already are aware that injuries are a reason for the ratings decline. I mean, we have no Kevin Durant right now, you know, he, he attracts, television uh a television audience we have no steph clay like there's a reason why the ratings are down in a, in addition to i don't think 
that it, it's just like people aren't watching the NBA or not caring, but I think injuries are playing into a factor. I think the good teams being on the West Coast has played into a large factor. If you live on the East Coast, you're not getting to see yeah. uh, LeBron James. You weren't getting to see Golden State as much, and that's why we saw the NBA bump up the times for those games prior to this year. Um, so it's probably something that like I don't even think about it on a daily basis, but the games are starting 30 minutes or an hour earlier. Mm. Um, so that that's my take on it. I, I'm in favor of something that makes you play the younger guys more and maybe gives them more meaning, stressful minutes, but rewards the team in season with an extra roster spot or extra cap space or something like that to sign a player uh, for the stretch run. And what could be done – so what could happen is that, say you do this tournament, it could be seen as a reason for the superstars to just chill, and that would give the younger guys an opportunity to play more. Yeah. So that could be seen as like a mid-season load management, you know, some some downtime for them. Yeah, but then we would get into the uh, – do the tournament games – reflect your overall record how does that work because if we're count- if we're playing them as divisional games uh-huh. then in theory that would count to your overall season records which matter for the playoffs so a lot of intricacies intricacies to it but yeah. like i said you- i i am open to some form of change yeah and i mean whatever happens i'm gonna watch and with the g league continuing to grow i mean we've seen two-way contracts added here in the past two three years We've seen more and more teams get that direct affiliation. I I would just be in favor of something for the younger guys, and I, I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see. What have you been able to get a gauge on what the like national feedback is on this? What some of our favorite NBA writers are kind of thinking about it? Are they in favor of it or no? Um, I I haven't yet. Yeah, they posted. Uh this particular article over the weekend, so not too many people have been writing or recording anything since then. But I'd imagine it's probably going to be a pretty hot topic, you know, in the next few days. Yeah. We're just on the cutting edge over here. <laughs> hey, that's what happens when you record on Sundays, baby. <laughs> uh, I got some Grizzly stats, uh, some overall All team right. stats. And these are from Cleaning the Glass, which Cleaning the Glass takes out the garbage time. And uh, it's, it might be a blessing or a curse for the Grizzlies. Yeah. <laughs> and the Nuggets games. So yeah. Anytime we're getting blown out and those avalanche occurs, uh, Cleaning the Glass is nice, a nice friend and just acts like those didn't happen. <laughs> so <laughs> these, nice stat, <laughs> these stats are from when we are actually in the games. Um, offensively, we are 27th in points per possession on Cleaning the Glass. We are 25th in turnover percentage and 30th, which is dead last in free throw rate. So offensively, we're not looking too hot. But let's go to the defensive side because we've been in some games. So surely that side of the ball has got to be a little bit better. And, well, I mean, it kind of is. We're 23rd in points per possession given up. Uh, We're 25th in turnover percentage, uh, and that's turnovers forced. And we're 26th in free throw rate. And so that would be the free throws we allow. Uh, not good. Not good. And we're 25th in shots allowed at the rim. Ooh. Also not good. Uh, I think we're only like 23rd in uh, shot making at the rim uh, defensively. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we block them every now and then. <laughs> so I say that to say 
when we are looking at this Grizzlies team, we have to remember that we're not good. <laughs> we're like <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> like we're gonna, and that's why we're gonna have those games where we get blown out. And that's why it's so important to like treasure those ones when they compete hard or even beat a Utah, beat Kyrie in Brooklyn, compete with the Lakers. Um, because that, that's really the takeaways from the season. You got any stats for us? No, not today. All right, I'll keep going. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, we're first in short mid-range attempts. We're seventh overall in mid-range shots attempted. And uh, to that, we're fourth in mid-range shots made. Um, so we're taking a lot. We're making a lot. Not the end of the world, but it does go against the philosophy that Taylor Jenkins and the staff is trying to implement. Conversely, we're 24th in three-pointers attempted. Uh, per cleaning the glass and we're 20th in three-point shooting accuracy which seems like a step up from years past you know <laughs> like it's better than like 28 29 where we've been hanging out for the past few years and the crazy thing is and uh as a fan of low post ball and getting jaron jackson the ball on the post i have to admit when we're making three-pointers like we're competitive <laughs> we saw what happened in that lakers game we've yep. seen us compete with some other big time teams uh, so when we have the personnel to actually run this system, hey, what do you think about Brandon Ingram? I, I think he's going to be a free agent. You think uh, Ja Morant, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson are Ooh. doing enough to woo him to Memphis? Ooh, and then we get that top uh, top three, four pick. Ooh. Ooh. I'm not against it, Zach. I'm not That's, against no, it. No, sir. Uh, I mean, and – what makes it so great is we have Brandon Clark on the roster and he's better than any of us could expect it. And our two draft picks, um, despite where you're at on Jaron, they're franchise cornerstones. I don't think anyone will argue with, with us against that. And uh, let's look at some of our rookie stats with Ja and BC. Ja Morant leads rookies in points per game and assists per game. He's averaging 19.1 points and six assists. Wow. Do you know which rookie is leading uh, the NBA in rebounding? Oh, rookie leading the NBA in rebounding. What you, you saw him play Saturday night. Oh, geez. Brandon Clark, dude. Oh, Brandon. Oh, that was <laughs> so a trick we, question. <laughs> so we got the leading rookie in points per game and assists per game in Ja, and then the leading rookie rebounder in Brandon Clark. And, and uh, he's not he's only playing like 20 minutes a game, isn't he? Yeah, so Brandon is 14th in minutes for rookies, and Ja is seventh. Uh Ja is third in steals. Uh Brandon is ninth in scoring amongst all rookies, and he's third wow. in field goal percentage. He's trailing only Chris Silva, uh the the big guy from Miami, who I assume all he does is dunk, and Jackson Hayes, who I'll also assume all he does is yeah. dunk. So Brandon Clark's game is a little more versatile than them. He's third in field goal percentage. Uh, and Brandon Clark's in the 98th percentile in the, in the role man for all NBA players. Uh, so wow. he, he's really been impressive. And uh, in the pick and roll, he scores 78% of the time as the role man, uh, a little bit better than Jaron Jackson. So just because Jaron Jackson's scoring 50% of the time when he's the role man. Uh, but like we mentioned, Jaron Jackson might just be a three-point shooter now. So uh, he's that's a kinda, wing, dude. <laughs> it, 
that's my, that's my rookie recap uh, for Ja and Brandon Clark. Just you think about it, Zach. And when we went into the draft lottery, we were we were thinking best case scenario was give that pick away, and then we come out, we win the lottery, literally win the lottery because we got the second pick in John Morant. Yeah, and uh, he's leading rookies in scoring and assist, and then we get the 21st pick in the Mike Conley trade. We get another hidden gem in Brandon Clark, who is leading the rookies in rebounding. And then we have like the youngest sophomore in the league in Jaron Jackson, who's wetting it up from three and kind of coming into his own. So, hey, it's exciting time to be a Grizzly. There's plenty of stuff to look forward to. Yeah. We just can't can't get caught up in the wins and losses right now. No, you can't go on Grizz Facebook after one of those losses either. <laughs> or Everyone's one of those wins. Get... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we can make the playoffs. Like, uh, no. <laughs> we <can't. laughs> we're on track to win like uh, 25 games still. Yeah. So, I mean, we're doing better than I expected. And I think that's a great thing for the franchise. As long as we can win games right now, uh, I'm all for trying to win those games. And if it becomes apparent down the stretch that we're going to be, you know, in the race for one of the top picks and we need to tank, we'll make that we'll cross that bridge when we get there, to quote the chief. <laughs> we need Fizdale to help us out and win a steal a couple of W's up in New York. Uh but to speak about Brandon Clark real quick, so uh, I don't know who I owe full credit to, but Zach Lowe mentioned it in his ten things last week. And then Chris Harrington mentioned it in his recap yesterday. So he may have said this previously. Not sure. But they have – someone has coined Brandon Clark's shot. You know, his one-handed, like, straight up in the air, standstill floater, I guess yep. you could call it, as a pogo stick shot. <laughs> That's pretty so good. I, I thought that was pretty good. That, that so, I mean, he's quick, down and up quick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like it. So that's a good use of words there by professional journalists. I'm, that's, that's good. We expect nothing less from a Harrington and Zach Lowe. Nope, sure don't. So who else have you been watching? Obviously a lot of Grizz. Uh, what are a couple other teams you've had your eye on on League Pass? Um, well, being out here Rancho Cucamonga, uh, I've been watching the Clippers because the Lakers are taking off my cable provider. So I've, that's my only <laughs> team to watch is the Clippers. Uh, and I mean, just with Kawhi and Call, Call George, Paul George finally seeing some time on the court together to go with Lou, Lou Will, Montrez Harrell, Pat Beverly. That team is fun, man. And yeah. it, it doesn't feel right rooting for a Clippers team, but it's really hard to not like the current version of the LA Clippers. Um, Lou Williams was on the podcast, the All the Smoke with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, which I'm sure you're a huge fan of. Um, if I know you like I think I do. And he 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 was just talk they asked him who was like some of the younger guys that he was impressed with. Uh-huh. And he said uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, of course, was his teammate last year before the trade to acquire Paul George. And the second one was John Morant. And his description of John Morant was that motherfucker cold. <laughs> uh, so if we win the hearts of Lou Will, that's cool with me. Um, definitely enjoyed watching him play. Uh, and if you you should go check out that podcast. He also mentioned the time when he met Penny Hardaway as a senior in high school, and Penny just brushed him off. 
Oh. And, uh, and Lou being a Memphian, Penny was like his favorite player of all time. And he said he's not in his top three anymore after that. Uh, he said hey. they talked to clear things up, uh, you know, but still just left a bad taste in his mouth. Some drama. So I, I say the Clippers have been the number one team I've been watching. And then kind of a league pass team that I've been drawn to is the Miami Heat. Like, dude, they just have random guys down there playing. They drafted Kendrick Nunn. Uh, and I think he's second in rookies in scoring per game. Or no, they didn't draft him. He went undrafted. Uh, and they've got him, Tyler Harrow, and Jimmy Buckets. And just a fun team. They play hard. So uh, those are the two teams I've been drawn to, as well as, of course, our boy Mike Conley. I haven't oh, been yeah. watching the Raptors, but I have been watching the Jazz quite quite often. And I think it's because uh, I know Mark already got his ring. So like he can just – I don't really worry about him anymore. I won't – and Mike's been struggling, so I've been kind of – watching him to hope hope I can give him that good juju to kind of get it together, you know, and the Jazz can get going. But the Jazz are a pretty fun team to root for uh, unless they're playing the Grizzlies. Yeah, they'll, I mean, they'll figure things out towards the end of the season. Ingles is playing terrible right now, and he's not going to do that the whole season. I mean, they're still like top four or five in the West. So. Yeah. What about you? Who you been watching? So you mentioned the Raptors. That is actually someone who I've been trying to catch. I was wondering if you were still on the Raptors bandwagon. Not not even so much to watch Mark, but just watching uh, Siakam develop. Like, that guy is legit. He's just taken over, right, uh, for this season. He's averaging 25, 8, and 4 assists. And he's shooting 37% from three. Like, he's just developed into such an impressive player. And they've got a lot of injuries right now. And so that's kind of also something to watch. They got Ibaka, Lowry, Patrick McCaw, Stanley Johnson. All those guys are out. So they're digging deep in their pockets to pull up guys. They've got 16 guys that have seen minutes. Uh, Someone I saw the other day that was pretty intriguing, Chris Boucher. Yeah. Yeah. He – He's a fun guy to watch. He's got double figures in five of the eight games that he's you know, played more than just scrub time in. Um, he's and a, you thin know as a rail, but, like, dude can play. Yeah, I saw him. I think it was the Clippers game, maybe. He was playing big-time defense. Um, you know what's crazy about Siakam, though, is a lot of these national writers are saying he might win most improved player again. again. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's unheard of. But, I mean, that's fucking cool. Like, you, you, that's what we watch this league for is because, uh, as Chris Vernon always says, you you you, all, you might always see something that you've never seen before. Anytime you go to a game, anytime you watch a full season, that's what we love. Uh, what about anyone else other than your beloved Raptors? My beloved Raptors. I, I Ironically, I, you joke that they're beloved. I still have them under one of my ESPN teams that, like, sends me alerts. From you know like how, last year. You know how I know that? Because I still have your ESPN login for your ESPN <laughs> Plus. <laughs> and when I go through your favorite teams, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, okay, so you, you've been uh, doing your homework on me. Hey. So another one, I think probably a lot of people are watching uh, Dallas. Like just Ooh. watching Luca be crazy. So I saw him in person last week when KP didn't play. And he just, in three quarters, just torched us. Calmly, coolly, like it's no effort at all. He's just shooting over the top of folks. He doesn't move that fast. His passing is on point, though. He Everyone's got to collapse on him, so he's creating 
I mean, he's executing on all his passing seams. I, I mean, that guy's impressive. He's setting all these kinds of triple-double records and, you know, in MVP talk. I mean, he's got to be, to me, he's like top five MVP candidate right now just because everything that Dallas has, there's not that many other guys playing super well. Porzingis doing okay, but Luka is carrying that entire team. I mean, I think if you would have asked Luka Doncic before the draft two years ago, if he imagined this in his second year, there's no way he would say yes. <laughs> like, even his biggest fan, like Luka's mom, dad, like, they could not have imagined this. It's unreal. It is completely unfathomable. unfathomable. And, I mean, I wish he would have dropped to four in the draft last year. <laughs> like, luckily, the Grizzlies don't have to live with that regret. Like, oh, yeah. uh, Phoenix and uh, Sacramento and Atlanta do. But, I mean, it's not even close between Luka and Trey Young. Like, people still trying to build Trey Young up. Like, hell no. He- and if I'm being honest, I prefer John Morant over Trey Young as well in the long term. Yeah, I like the the athleticism of Morant. It's just really intriguing. I haven't caught the Trey Young league pass fever like everyone else has, or everyone else seems to have caught it. Yeah. Maybe I'm missing out. I'm probably missing I, out. I haven't watched too much either. Uh, when he was out for his injury for a second, then I kind of stopped watching. But I tuned in to Luka. I watched him today against the Rockets. <laughs> Go ham in the fourth quarter. Yeah, 41 points. Like That just doesn't happen every game. But if you watch them, and the odds are, like, 75% of the time, he's, it's going to. I mean, he's an MVP candidate in his second season, and you can't even really argue that. Like, he's at least top five right now. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's giving him the short end of the stick, saying top five. So, man, what incredible. Uh hate that we're missing Bagley and Aiton uh, and Jaron Jackson when he's on the bench with fouls. <laughs> So 80% of the self-imposed injuries. Hey, but he's been better. He really has been better uh, these last couple of weeks. And he's going to continue to improve. Him and Josh's chemistry is going to continue to get better. Do you know what our schedule looks like for this week from the Grizzlies standpoint? Because we know – I mean, we just played two games in like a whole week. So hopefully we got three or four this week to – Get us through the holiday weekend. Everyone's going to be with their families. Hope y'all have a safe Thanksgiving. Uh, Zach and I will probably be back with the Tigers podcast Tuesday uh, to recap the Tigers win over Ole Miss, uh, the Memphis football win over South Florida, and then preview uh, the game at the Barclays Center against NC State. Um, So stay on the lookout for that this coming Tuesday. Uh, You got that Grizzly schedule for us? Yeah. So you are going to get your wish. Tomorrow, uh, that being Monday, at Indianapolis against the Pacers. Then we host. Been playing well. That's a good team. Shouldn't be hard to get up for. Then we host the Clippers on Wednesday. Shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mike Conley's back again on Friday. Then Sunday, we go up to Minnesota. And then Monday, we host the Pacers. So in a span of one, two, five games in a week in seven days so making up for the yeah those are all those are all playoff games yeah and and minnesota's looked completely different since we uh got that dead version of them that came into fedex form carl anthony towns has been awakened uh 
They lost last night because he shot a fucking three from half court with like oh, 10 seconds that. left. Like, what are you doing? From the logo? Yeah, like, the coach has got to call some out. But that's neat to hear right there. Uh, big week for the Grizzlies. Be on the lookout for more content from the-barnburner.com. I'm at Barnburner Slim. He's at Barnburner Bro. We gone. See you later. Ice on the wrist with the ice in the chain. Ride through the hood, yeah, I'm gripping the grain. And I'm sipping the same while I'm changing the lane. I feel tight cause I'm choking the grease. Bitch, it messed up cause I'm choking the grease. Messing with a D-boy, riding a big toy. Make a man gal wanna get on my team. She gotta give it up once she get in my car. I ain't Denzel, but I know I'm a star. Cause when I'm in the club, I be back in the bar. In the VIP.